like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you do not follow us on Instagram, please give us a follow at English Encore Podcast. Myself and Andrew are back. And the Buffalo Bills are the greatest team in the NFL. <laughs> Definitely looked like that on Saturday. It was a hell of a game. That's, that's what I was wanting to see from the first preseason game. Uh, we finally got to see it, and it was a breath of fresh air. Yes, it was. But before we dive into the game and so mm-hmm. much more, we're going to debut a new segment. It's called Forgotten Bills. So each week, I am going to come up with a Bills player that might be forgotten about that have actually ever played for the Bills, regardless if that's regular season or preseason. I'm going to give Andrew three to four facts, and I'm going to see if he can guess that player. So today's player spent eight years in the NFL, played for two teams. He was a three-time Pro Bowler including one season in which he had 17 sacks and he has 258 career tackles. Wow. Uh, Play for two teams? Two teams, the Bills and one other. Oh, man. Um, I don't know, Nick. I think you stumped me right off the bat. You got me. <laughs> I'll give you – he is a linebacker. Linebacker. Two teams. Linebacker. Paul Puzlesny? No. No, because he went to Jacksonville after us. Did he go somewhere else? No. Okay. This player ended their career with the Bills. Oh, ended with us. Uh, Sean Merriman? That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) It took a second, but hey, you got it. I feel like everyone kind of forgets. He played 15 games with the Bills, played two years with us, was obviously a stud for the Chargers early in his career, three Pro Bowls, the big season with 17 sacks. But, yeah, he was a Buffalo Bill. All right. How about that? (laughs) But to the actual Buffalo Bills, so 41-15, Bills over Mm -hmm. Bears. Um, Mitch Trubisky walked into Chicago – and essentially dropped his nuts on the table, Randy Marsh, <laughs> South Park theme, yeah. and went 20 of 28, 221 yards, one TD, had an awesome scramble, got up, spun the ball. Just everyone was happy for him. He was confident. He was locked in. And it was a case at point. This is exactly why the Bills went out and got Mitch Trubisky. So if something does happen – the Bills offense will be in okay hands. Yeah, absolutely. And he did all that on his birthday nonetheless, too. So, yeah, no, it was a great, great showing for Mitch. Love to see it. He looked comfortable, right? He led the offense, made incredible throws. um, And it was, like I said, a breath of fresh air. It was really nice to see. Um, Offense looked great. Defense was flying around. Um, right. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game, right? Still things that need to be worked out, ironed out, but, um, yeah, that was very encouraging to see the team look like that. And I'm sure they enjoyed kind of wiping the floor with Chicago too. Yeah. I think overall the takeaways from considering, you know, what we talked about last week to this week, I think there's definitely a lot more positives, I mean, the running game really looked good. I mean, Reggie Gilliam, eight carries, 
24 yards, two touchdowns, um, threw some really good blocks. I mean, Devin Singletary only had two carries, but both of them went for big gains. Zach Moss had a big gain. Um, Matt Breida had a touchdown, which we thought was going to be a touchdown that got called back. Same thing with Moss. I think all of them showed really well. Um, Isaiah McKenzie and Kumaro both were really good in the receiving game, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, kick return, I still and punt return duties. I still think there's a little bit of concern, especially which we'll dive into a little later with McKenzie injury. Obviously, Marquez Stevenson gets the 79-yard punt return touchdown. So I guess it's a good and bad thing just because we honestly don't know. We've seen McKenzie have a really good week returning. He muffed one but recovered this past week. And then Stevenson has the big one for a touchdown. Um, I thought Gregory Rousseau was awesome. I don't think he's going to need this year or two that people thought. But um, honestly, my main takeaway as far as a player that I think could really unlock the Bills' potential, and it was made in just one play, was A.J. Epinesa. Mm -hmm. I think if he is able to blossom into a key contributor, and I know I sent you the tweet, but someone on Twitter characterized it perfectly. If he can somehow just be the second coming of Aaron Schobel, like the Bills are going to be scary, and he was awesome on Saturday. I mean, blew past that lineman, blew him up, and then Superman dove and almost got the sack. I mean, he was great, and our defensive line was humming all game. Yeah, and and it's the little things with the defense, right? Like, the especially with the young guys, the fundamentals are just there. Like, if you watch Rousseau off the edge, just his ability to create separation, use his long arms to just overpower the linemen, it's just it, it was incredible to watch, right? And, and AJ Epinesa, I think, is one of those guys who's on the list of he needs to have a big season, right? Or his future with the team could be in jeopardy moving forward, right? Like he has to prove why he was drafted and why there was some chatter about him coming out of college, right? Like this is gonna be a big year for him. It has to be. And he's been proving through camp in the preseason that. You know, he, he can live up to expectations. So, and if he turns out to be Aaron Schobel, beautiful. That's perfect, right? Great compliment to um, Milano and that whole team, uh, the middle uh, linebacker core they're trying to keep together with AJ Klein and Dotson, whoever else is going to work up in the middle of the field there on defense. Like, it, uh, it'd be beautiful. So, uh, it'd be nice to see. Um, and, the young guys as a whole, I think, was a good theme of, of the game. Spencer Brown, where was Khalil Mack? Nowhere. He was in Spencer Brown's big pause. That's where he was. He handled one of the best defensive players in the league beautifully. Uh, he just kept impressing, caught the injury bug there. Uh, which is concerning. That's one concern, right? If we want to go with a, a worry or a negative from the game. Injury list was pretty long, right? You got guys walking in boots. You got a bunch of guys being taken out, right? Uh, Stevenson has a foot injury. He ran his return back on an injured foot, happened to play before the return, uh, allegedly, and he ran it back on an injured foot, and then they took him out. So it's just like, that's a little worrisome. We'll see how it all, you know, plays out. Dane Jackson had to get an MRI after the game. Harrison Phillips, too. Right. Harry, who Harry's on that list of you better do something this season or you might be shipped out of town. Right. Um, So that's that's worrisome. Dane's in a in that competition for number two cornerback on the other side of Trey. So, yeah, lots of positives, but also some worrisome things that came out. So um, we'll see what happens in the coming days and leading up to Saturday's game against Green Bay. Yeah, and I think the one thing that at least is a little encouraging is from the front of like Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, it seems like the Phillips-Brown injuries don't seem to be anything long-term. Right. Um, I know Stephon Diggs returned to practice today, which is obviously a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Spencer Brown handled his own against Khalil Mack. I also think this was a big game for him, not only from just rebounding from the week before, but I also think the week before he was at left tackle this week, he is at right. Cause Dawkins did play a little bit to get the conditioning. Right. 
I think you're almost just based on that game alone. I think you want to maybe see him at right tackle going forward a little bit, which makes complete sense because it's always been the thought of if Spencer Brown was to replace someone, it's not Deion Dawkins, it's Daryl Williams, and he's on the right side. Um, it was good to see Dion to get back in and get the breaths going, um, you know, kind of get that um, conditioning back. And I thought, you know, last week, all the players that maybe we had like a stock up, stock down, a lot of the guys that were down had really good weeks. I thought Spencer Brown looked good. Um, you know, uh, with, sorry, Jacob Hollister had a really good game. Tight end, he yep. was bad last week. Um, so I thought he really improved. Um, the only one that I thought had a down game that really kind of stood out was Saran Neal. I thought the touchdown he had just kind of a lack of awareness of turning his head. I mean, he didn't have like terrible positioning. It was just, he wasn't aware. Um, and then Bobby Hart, just, I get off of my team. You're dog shit. Like, what are we doing? What's even better is Bobby Hart survived another cut today. He is still on this roster. And I, I'm kind of excited for it. I want to keep seeing what he does, right? Like, I I don't know what McBean's plan is for him. I don't know if they're going to keep him as a depth guy. I don't know if he's just staying on the roster for camp reps. I know camp's technically over, but like practice rep. I don't know what the plan is for Bobby Hart, Uh, but it's intriguing that he is still on the roster, and I, I can't wait to see what happens with this guy. I mean, hopefully he doesn't get anyone hurt, right? He's clearly a turnstile. Again, I'm I'm no professional athlete. So he's clearly better than anything I could do. So who am I to sit here and say, but phew, the dude could potentially get someone hurt. But I'm interested to see what happens with him. The ultimate Brandon Bean move would be he starts against the Packers does well and then they flip him for like a sixth round conditional pick to someone that loses an injured player yeah and then the last note i really had on this game and i really want to credit sean mcdermott because he really stood out to me in this game from the sole aspect of which we're going to kind of got dive into now as far as is the preseason important Mm -hmm. he went through like Every single scenario that could happen in a regular game, they went for two point conversions. He challenged a call. They were going forward on fourth down, you know, on their side of the field and our side of the field, um, you know, waiting till it gets under two minutes to have a play reviewed, like just little things like that. Like, even though it's the preseason, it's good to get in the habit of doing them, trying different situations. And I guess we kind of transition right into is the preseason important? I know a lot of people joke and say it's not like, I don't know, like to me, maybe the game itself isn't as fun or entertaining on TV as a regular season game, but it is important because you're seeing you always have the, you know, preseason heroes that the fans fall in love with, i.e. the Fred Jacksons of the world that end up making the team. Or, you know, the Duke Williams of the world who does usually well in the preseason. And then it's kind of always that roster bubble guy that maybe doesn't make it. Chris Hogan was kind of the same way. Um, And you can kind of see McDermott go through all these scenarios. That's another thing the preseason is good for. Getting guys, young guys reps, especially after last year with COVID, where they didn't get a full training camp and a full preseason. I mean, I don't know about you. I think the preseason is important. I actually do like that they – knocked it back to three games. I think four games is a bit excessive, but I think three games is kind of that fine line of you get a good amount of time to evaluate players. You take away the risk of injury a little bit more, especially with the 17 game schedule now. And I think it's kind of just good all the way around for the organization and the fans. Um, I see why people do hate it just because of the injuries and it's not the most entertaining brand of football when you have Davis Webb going out there and throwing the ball around sometimes, but um, I think overall the preseason um, is important. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, I think it is important. And I like it from a standpoint of you get to see kind of what the team, where the team's mindset is, right? So to your point, Sean has done an incredible, you can tell they are trying to figure out who they want to be on offense, right? They are trying things out. They're trying different plays. They are pushing that running game. Like I said last week, the first preseason game, if that's the first game I ever saw the Bills, I would have thought, oh, so they're, they're a running game. 
or their running team, right? They just are trying to force that running game to make it happen. And then this week, right, like you said, they're trying different plays. They're trying different scenarios out. So I like that um, part of the preseason just from a standpoint of like a football nerd. You can see the ins and outs and the X's and O's. And I think it's cool to see guys try to step up and fight for a job and, and, and get that paycheck and earn their roster spot. So that's really cool. Um, I also don't like preseason just because anything can happen and it can turn the mindset of, Hey, we got a team. One little thing happens in the preseason and you're like, Oh shit, we're screwed now. Like now, where do we go from here? Whether it's an injury or COVID, uh, COVID nonsense that's happening now, or right. Like it's just three weeks is only three weeks. But like it is such a long time that anything can happen. Right. Like if we flip the script and we're bears fans, right. That hit on Justin Fields would terrify me and piss me off without end. Right. Like, that's your franchise, you know, potential new franchise quarterback who just got his ass killed in a preseason game, right? Like a game you're already losing, right? Um, so that's terrifying. Like stuff like that is terrifying. Um, it was a clean hit, by the way. Oh, I totally agree. It was a clean hit. If his helmet didn't come off, would not have been that big of a deal. But oh, because chin strap, Rook. Yeah, because his helmet flew off, it looked way worse than it was. But the, like stuff like that can terrify you. So. I get, right, that's why Josh hasn't played yet. Diggs, uh, did he play? I know he didn't play, obviously, this game. Did he play a little bit in the first game? I don't think so. No. Right? So it's like, I don't know, I go back and forth on should the starters play, right? Tom Brady played in maybe two plays in their first preseason game, then nothing this weekend. Um, I'm trying to think some other big name. I mean, Mahomes threw like 18 or 20 passes the other day. Mahomes has played. Exactly. Mahomes has played. Rodgers hasn't really played. Josh has not touched the field at all. Diggs hasn't touched the field. So it's like, I don't know. How do you play that? Do you protect your guys, keep them on the sidelines, wrapped in bubble wrap to get them to week one? Or is it important to get them out there find that rhythm again of real gameplay get back in the oh i have someone who doesn't have my jersey on coming at me i have to throw it into a window right this isn't just wrap up and thud in 11 on 11 on practice like is that important i don't know what your take on that is nick with sitting your stars yeah, I mean, from the Bills perspective, I 100% get why they're not playing Josh because you have an adequate backup in Mitch, which, like, going into this third preseason game, it's weird because usually this is the preseason game that's, like, the dress rehearsal. This is where you right. play a half or a little bit into the third quarter and then the fourth preseason, preseason game is the joke and ever, none of your starters play and this and that. Right. So it's really interesting because you would have thought, okay, maybe, I mean, we saw Andy Dalton played like the entire first half for the bears. Um, with Josh, I think it's kind of just like, you know what he is, you see what he does in practice. It's just interesting because I think there's something to be said where the bills have won two preseason games. Now they're two and oh, I mean, the Ravens have that long streak. Now they've won like what 18 or 19 straight games. I think there's something to be said of like already kind of building that winning mentality in the preseason. And, you know, yeah. You don't have to, you know, maybe I think the Bills do like if they usually when they win games, like you have off Monday or practices like limited. It's like maybe they're already doing that and establishing like this is what the culture is going to be like. And if you're winning on regular Sundays, it's just a weird thing because I do think there is something to be said for you want your stars in, even if it's only for a series or two, just to get that feeling of actual football, of getting hit a little bit, not to get hurt, but kind of just be out in that game type feel. But then there's a complete other side where if Josh or Diggs or Beasley or any of them, if one little thing happens, like if Beasley gets hurt, even Emmanuel Sanders, he gets hurt, like your whole season changes. So it's just so weird now with these three games that you kind of have to, I think it's going to be something we're going to see change over the next two to three years of how teams manage putting players in these positions. I would be, I would honestly be shocked if Josh and Diggs and them play in the third game, to be completely honest. I think at this point, like, I don't, it'd be like, if it was four games, I'd understand throwing them out there. But at this point, it's like, 
you've won two games. Mitch has obviously looked good. Like, what is the point of throwing Josh and them out there for one or two series when you're going to be a week away from the season and like have any sort of chance of risk? It's like, I just, I just don't see the upside in that compared to like, if you had a week four. So it's such just a weird, it's a weird situation. Yeah. Are you willing to trade momentum and team chemistry for the risk of one of your stars getting hurt, right? That's what you have to weigh. But I think it also, what plays into this is the continuity of your roster, right? Bills are bringing back pretty much the majority of their starters from last year. So the offense knows how to play with Josh. They know what to expect. And Josh, vice versa, knows what to expect out of his players with, you know, uh, the exception of Emmanuel Sanders. He hasn't played, quote unquote, played in a game with Emmanuel Sanders yet. Um, but I think, right, like if, if this is a totally different new quarterback to a new team, new system, I think you have to play him if he's your starter, right? Um, but we have the luxury of not being in that situation. So um, I guess I'm okay with them not playing the stars. I selfishly, I'd like to see them play, right? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm. I'm ready for the season. <laughs> right. I'm clamoring for September 12th at home opener. Um, I'll be at the game this Saturday. So looking forward to seeing real football uh, at the Ralph again, but they're high mark, whatever the hell it is now. Um, so I don't know. I like, like you said, I like the three preseason games. That second, the second preseason game definitely becomes your dress rehearsal now, you know, and then it leaves the third preseason for cleaning up roster and cuts. But I guess it's a good thing that we've been able to win two games without the stars in, right? The backups are able to win. Saturday was a decisive win. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. But, oh, yeah, see. the other thought I keep having is just like, look at what the Bills' offense with Trubisky, McKenzie, Kumro was doing against not all the Bears starters, but a handful of them with Khalil Mack. And it's yeah. like, imagine substituting Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, and Josh into that lineup with an offensive <laughs> line. Yeah, and, and what does that say about the Bears? Like, that team is a dumpster fire. I mean, their defense is supposed to be one of the, you know, I don't know, we'll give them top 10 defenses in the league, and they looked rough. They had, they've got a ways to go. Their offense was bad, so. Matt Nagy's an awful coach. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I'm glad. They, there's, I, I don't know how they're not starting fields. That's crazy. They probably will, and Nagy's just playing the politics game and whatever, but I don't know. It was a mess, but good for us. It was an entertaining game on Saturday. And then transitioning into one Bills drive today. Oof. So we had a few Talk things. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with kind of just the practice stuff. Isaiah McKenzie leaves an injury after having, a, I guess, a rough collision with Jordan Ployer. Um, didn't return to practice. Seemed like it's a shoulder injury. Definitely something to be concerned about considering he's really the only real returner you have right now. Um, yep. So we'll have to see what happens there. And then, uh, so a staff member of the Bills who was fully vaccinated, tested positive for COVID. And because of that, the next five days, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, Vernon Butler, and Starla Tule will all be away from the team, um, even though they all tested negative. And then AJ Klein and Matt Milano and I believe FA Obato might have been the other one. Those are the third player. They all got sent home today for like precautionary, kind of like they weren't a close contact, but they wanted to be safe. I guess they, Brandon Bean said in his presser, they're all going to return tomorrow to practice. So those guys aren't a concern. But Davis, Beasley, Butler, and Starr, obviously the big name that pops out is Cole Beasley because of his stance with COVID and everything. Um. I guess I'll kind of start before I let you, because I know you have some stuff you want to say about this. Um, I, for one, am fully vaccinated. I'm not someone that judges if you do or do not want to get vaccinated. That's a life choice. I don't really, whatever you want to do is up to you. Um, The NFL players are in a tough spot because part of me thinks they should all just get it because – like, I don't know, like it's hard because you don't want to just 
make people or force people to get it, even though it's kind of happening already in the world. And you're kind of giving off the perception, like these athletes are role models for a lot of kids and whatever they do is, I don't know. It just gets so publicized. Like everyone always asks Josh about it. And like, he always keeps that decision to himself. Like, and I'm glad when the whole Beasley stuff was going on with Twitter, like he did come out and say like, you know, I'm not answering any more questions. He had a statement. He said, I'm here to focus on football now. Like everyone's focusing on football. There was, didn't seem like, despite all the Twitter stuff, like there wasn't going to be the distraction because of the culture that Brandon Bean and them have built. It's just kind of one of those now that's like, because you have players that aren't willing to get vaccinated and the bills aren't the only team. Like there's only, I think the Falcons are the only team that's hundred percent fully vaxxed. Like there's not, every team's not fully vaxxed. It's just one of those. Now it's such a weird situation because Cole Beasley's clearly not vaxxed. He's not going to get vaxxed, but now he has to be out for five days. But the whole thing's just weird because it's like, well, does that mean that Davis, Starr, and Butler all aren't vaxxed or are some of them vaxxed? Like, it's just so weird because they said they all tested negative. And it's just the whole situation's a dumpster fire. I just don't know what the NFL is. I don't even know how to really describe it. I'm kind of like lost of my thoughts because like it's just such a weird like situation because I'm not trying to push like my personal beliefs on someone else or like I don't want to judge someone based on their thing and at the same time like even though they're NFL players and they entertain us at the end of the day they are human beings and it's their own personal choice but it just as from a team and an outside fan looking in on your team and the team you root for it causes you the headache because you have players that don't want to get vaxxed regardless of that's right or wrong it's just it's going to end up ultimately maybe hurting the team and your chance of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's that's where my frustration lies. So the list was Vernon Butler, Starla Tulele, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley are all out for five days. Milano and Klein were not mandated by the league to be out. The team took them out as a precaution. They'll be back tomorrow practicing. So that was the full list. What What's crazy about this list is – Star sat out last year because he was worried about COVID. Awesome. Totally understand, right? Why is he not vaccinated? If he sat out last year, why is he not vaccinated? Like, again, I don't know if there's health reasons or whatever, but it's like, that's my first thought from this. When I heard that and I heard Star was on this list, dude, you sat out because you were worried about COVID. Now you're not even vaccinated and you're on the COVID list because of all these protocols. Like, it, so that's one. I told you I wasn't going on a rant, but I can feel it building there. So yes, I agree with you in the point that, look, you're your own human. You're your own person. You do what's best for you, what you want to do. I'm fully vaccinated. Not that that matters really, but like, I don't give a shit what you do. You know, the risks, you, the health risks, the life or death risks, whatever that comes along with this bullshit COVID nonsense. You know that you can make that decision where I get frustrated and it just is infuriating is what if that, Thank God this is the preseason. What if this was Tuesday before the game against the Kansas City? Or what if this was Thursday before the game against Tampa Bay? Or what if this was a Friday before the AFC Championship against Kansas City? And it's more than just Cole, Star, a couple random. Then what? Then what do you do? Your top players are out for five days no matter what because they're not vaccinated. And yes, I totally get doing what you want and not wanting to give in to mandates and what the league is telling you. I get that. I respect the hell out of it. But where I lose my respect is when 
shit like this happens and it's like this could be avoided it's the nfl and their stubborn bullshit policies and the inability to listen to their players and their employees and see what's going on in the world with this covid nonsense is just as at fault as players not getting vaccinated right like the policies favor players getting vaccinated we know that they're doing the they have these policies in place to force players to get vaccinated they don't have to deal with the noise is that fair no it sucky of them to do but they can do that just fucking get vaccinated so you don't have to deal with this you are putting your team at risk of not performing to the best of their ability that's where i have a problem with it this is bigger than just you turning your nose to the man and saying oh you're trying to test on me i don't know what's in it i don't fine whatever if you want to believe that that's fine but like it comes to a point, whether you're a professional athlete, you bag groceries at Wegmans, you're a high schooler, you work in an office building downtown. If getting vaccinated can make your life easier, allow you to be more accountable and available to those around you, on your team, on wherever, you, to me, it's a no brainer. Just do it. Like I, I just grow. I don't know. It's just like to the point where it's like, grow the fuck up and get over yourself. Right. Like Cole Beasley is never going to get the vaccine. I understand that. Right. And we, the team has to live with the fact that they may lose him throughout the year. And that's going to hurt our chances to win the game. We talked last week. We have such a small window to win a Super Bowl and to use this roster's talent to the highest ability that it's like the potential of losing your top two or top three two of your top three wide receivers is terrifying. We don't know what Josh's vaccination status is. And I don't think we should know. That's not up to us to know, whatever. If he's not vaccinated and he comes in close contact with a trainer, like it happened today and we lose Josh Allen, before a playoff game or before a big game like that's fucking terrifying like that has to terrify you as a sports fan as a bills fan like i i just i'm so frustrated and worried about this season because it's like who knows what's going to happen we don't know how this bullshit variant's going to progress we don't know how the league's bullshit policies are going to progress. Is life just going to get harder and worse and worse for unvaccinated players to the point where it, you know, squeezes these rosters out and guys hit, hit the breaking point and whatever, right? Like it's, it, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not in their shoes, right? I, I have no business making decisions for them, but it's like, you are now putting your team at risk. That's on you to figure it out and do what you need to do for your team. Be a professional, be a human being, a grown ass man and do what you need to do for your team. Right. And we heard that in Brandon Bean's press conference today. They've been, besides for Bean saying that he's willing to cut unvaccinated players a couple months ago, McBean ha have been pretty good about, hey, we're going to educate our players and we'll let them do what they want to do, whatever. But you could hear the frustration and the disappointment in his voice over this happening, right? It's a distraction. It's disheartening, right? Potentially guys' health is are at risk with catching COVID, right? Hopefully the trainer's good. From what I saw, there's no symptoms. He's okay. But it's just like, uh, it's got to come to a breaking point where you just, you got to give in, get the fucking vaccination and play football and win football games, right? Like at the end of the day, that's what you're there to do. Do your job, right? Not to quote the shit triots, but it's like, just do your job. And your job is being available for your team and being able to win football games. And you can't do that if you're constantly hopping on and off the COVID list every fucking five days of the season. Like that can't happen.
That's not okay to me. That's where the line has to be drawn in the sand. And you hear other teams around the league arguing with their players around this, right? Mike Zimmer in, in Minnesota has been very vocal about how frustrated he is with Kirk Cousin and, and his players not wanting to get the vaccine and not wanting to listen to experts. And uh, there's a bunch of other teams too. It's just like enough is enough at this point. Right. And, and, and I said, like, it's not fair to the league to force these ridiculous policies on their players, but they've got a right to do that. Just like the players have a right not to listen to it, but it's like something's got to give at this point. Um, and I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm nervous going into the season, right? I thought, hey, it's Super Bowl or bust. Who knows what's going to happen at this point? Because there's guys who – this isn't going to sound fair to me, but fuck it, I'm going to say it. Like, there's guys who want to be selfish and care more about the optics of getting a fucking vaccine over doing what they need to be to be available for their team. And that's disheartening. It's frustrating. It makes the team look bad. It makes the city look bad. It's just like, I don't know. And all these fucking injuries on top of like today sucked. Like today was a bad day out of one bills drive. You got all these injuries out of nowhere. You got players hopping on and off the COVID list. It's just, where do we go from here? Thank God it's August, what, 24th. And it's not September 24th, but Holy shit, we're in for a long season, Nick. I, I think it's gonna be a long season. We're nowhere near at the end of this. I just I pray I pray Josh is vaccinated. I don't and we don't have to deal with him losing him for five days if he comes in contact with someone. And we can keep we can salvage a season and enjoy what you know we should have. But it's terrifying. I mean, the Bills lost five receivers in the last 24 hours. Duke Williams was waived. Lance Lenore was released. Colin gave her out with the COVID contact protocol. Isaiah McKenzie's hurt. If we're in the middle of the season, again, I, I have said this point already, but it's just like, it's terrifying. We've talked about depth on the team, maybe a weak point if you get too far in. So if too many guys get out, then what are you going to do? Right. You're then you are running with Bobby Hart and you are running the risk of Josh losing his head or Mitchell Trubisky having his leg sawed off because you're rolling with Bobby Hart under the right side of your line. And it's just, and you got Rico, Rico Gafford who just the bills just pack, picked up trying to learn it all. It's just like, the season can get out of hand and I hope it doesn't. I hope this works out. This pans out, but it's just like, it's terrifying to think about. So end rant. I know I repeated myself a lot. I probably contradicted myself, but it's just, it's frustrating. It's scary to think that the window we have is closing and this season with prime opportunity could just follow be a slip out of our hands because someone didn't want to get vaccinated someone was too stubborn to do what was best for the team and i don't know like bruce smith was with the team today at practice right and um sal capaccio tweeted a quote from him and and i don't know if bruce said this right in the vein of vaccines but he said it's critical that everybody does everything within their power to take advantage of this window the special talent we have on this team to make it count. And that's, that's where it ends for me. It's like, you have to know what we have here. And if you're willing to jeopardize that, maybe you don't know what it means to be on this team and you don't understand what's in front of you. Personal feelings and personal politics aside, it's like, there's something bigger here. And there's gotta be a point where you man up and say, you know what? I maybe this goes against what I believe or whatever, but I know it's for the good of my team. My teammates are vaccinated. I know there's other people in the community who are vaccinated. They're still alive. They don't have a towel or another arm growing, whatever. Like I will do this for the good of my team, for your own sanity. Right. 
I'm sure Cole Beasley doesn't want to wake up at 6.30 every morning to take a COVID test all season long. That can't be fun, but he's going to have to do it if he's not vaccinated, right? Because the bullshit NFL policies are if you are vaccinated, you don't have to take it um, till two weeks, right? Now, if that was different, maybe we would have known this trainer had it beforehand and could have risked, uh, gotten rid of the risk of him unknowingly passing along. But that, <laughs> that's another can of worms, right? This bullshit policy that favors the vaccinated players. But we know that's what it is. We know that's what the league's doing. So just shut up, play the game so you can play the game, you know? So with that end rant, I don't know if I, if we're going to have listeners after that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really give a fuck at this point. I just want to watch the Bills play football. And I'm so fucking sick of hearing about COVID-19 bullshit and who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. And Cole Beasley's the antichrist. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Who cares? I just want to watch the Bills play football. That's all I want to do. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate, even though I pretty much agree with most of what you're going to say, what you just said. Um, as far as the NFL policy, um, I, again, I don't really care what Cole Beasley wants to do. If it's for the better of the team, I think he should get it, but he's very made it clear. I think Cole's issue kind of came out today as far as he understands by not getting the vaccine. Like you just said, he has to get up every morning at six and get tested and do this and that. I think he's now showing like his frustration before of like, He's doing everything he's supposed to for an unvaccinated player, and he's still tested negative today, but now he still has to sit because of the NFL policy. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like if he does test or if he's the one that contracts it, like then that's going to blow up in his face. And it's just a whole lot of media nonsense that you don't need around the team and this and that. However – maybe this is actually a good thing that's happening now in the preseason. Maybe Cole Beasley will change his mind. Maybe it'll open up another door of other players getting vaccinated and being like, Hey, like you could potentially ruin a window here. And I think as the season progresses, not just with the bills, there's going to be other teams that deal with it too. at significant players. Um, I think throughout the season, we're going to see a change, especially towards that week, you know, 12 to 17 range when you pretty much know at that point if you're making the playoffs or not, I think coaches, teams are really going to have to be careful if they're not vaccinated as far as what they can and can't do. And it just, like you said, the NFL is Roger Goodell is like, I don't even, there's a lot of words I could use for Roger Goodell. He's just an asshole, but they have all these dumb policies. Like you said, it favors the vaccinated players. Is it fair? No, but can you do it? Yes. It's just like you said, it's, it's frustrating because there's really no right and wrong, but because you're in the light of so many people, like there almost is a right and wrong. And if you're going to cost your team a chance, like I said, good thing now it's the preseason, but if we get late in the season, especially if it's like AFC championship or Super Bowl, and this happens, like it's going to be hard. I'm, I'm interested to see if Cole Beasley speaks on it. I know he kind of said he doesn't want to talk about COVID going forward. So I want to see if he would actually answer questions about it. Um, but I guess, like you said, we'll see what happens. I think we've kind of beat the COVID thing into a bush. And like, I think you and me are kind of in the same. It's like, we're just tired of talking about it. I think the other frustrating part for even the players too, is like the vaccine is meant to kind of help us get back to a new norm or uh, a normal, but the vaccine, like it showed today, it still doesn't guarantee that you can't get it. So I think that's where the other frustration is too, of like the people that don't want to get, they're like, well, even if I get it or if you get it, you can still test and like this and that. But if you get it and you're vaccinated, the consequences are less and you have to do less right. testing and this and that. It's the whole COVID just fucking sucks. <laughs> Let's just, <Right>. look, <laughs> that's just the bottom line and it's screwing up everything. And if COVID is the reason the Bills don't win a Super Bowl, it's going to be the most like disheartening thing ever. But yeah, like, could you imagine we make it to the Super Bowl? Josh Diggs, Milano, and I don't know, Tyler Bass. 
sure, Tyler Bass, let's add in Trey White, right? They all go out to dinner or whatever. Somehow they get contact traced. They can't play in the Super Bowl. The Bills lose the Super Bowl because of COVID bullshit protocols. So not only do we have to deal with wide right, losing four in a row, now we also have to deal with we lost the Super Bowl because of fucking COVID protocols. Are you kidding me? I can't handle that. Twitter would be, Twitter's already toxic and terrible. Could you imagine how terrible of a place Twitter would be if now fans around around the league have that to rub into our face too? Like, fuck that. No. (laughs) Like, policies and protocols make no sense. Players grandstanding on this make no sense. It just all makes no sense. COVID makes no sense. (laughs) Like Brandon Bean said, we don't have it figured out. We don't have it under control. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. I can't even imagine what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's conversations behind closed doors were today when they found out this all out. Right? Like, and right. So this has to go, this ties into roster cuts do you carry seven wide receivers because what happens if Cole is on and off is hopping on and off the COVID list all season do you keep Isaiah Hodgins instead of maybe cutting him or you know Markel Stevenson or whoever else right or Gentry or uh, this other kid from Wyoming Rico Gafford that the Like, do you keep another random receiver just in case? Do you keep another random cornerback just in case? Like, that's a huge decision, right? Instead of maybe keeping another lineman that you wanted to keep for serious, legitimate depth or something, you have to think of maybe cutting one of those guys just so you can keep another wide receiver in your back pocket in case Cole's on and off the list all week, like, or all season. Like, it's just... Yeah, and I don't, I don't, and I don't want to put it on all on Cole either because he's no, not the no, only no, no. one. He that's, he's yeah. just so outspoken on it that he's the sure. one that's going to take he's, the brunt of it. He that. put the target on his back, and I think he he knows that. He, yeah, I'm sure, he's writing another diss track about this now, mm-hmm. but it's just like uh, I, I don't know. I'm over it. Yeah, I'm I mean, over it. we could we could it, do a whole show on it. Let's let's give me let's, to September twelfth. Yeah, let's uh let's close the show here with Bills around the league, yep. um, wide receivers and running backs this week. Last week we did quarterbacks. Shout out Matt Barkley, he balled out again this week. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna start with my three, and then Andrew's gonna close it out. So not a lot um around the league this week. We got a handful of players, but we got Robert Foster. Miami Dolphins, two receptions, 16 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, but he was waved injured today. Hey, got to give the man his dues. Sure. He, and he especially wore Dolphins helmet. And I also think half of the Bills fans thought he was going to be our wide receiver one after Josh's <laughs> rookie year when he balled out and then just right. never panned out to anything. Uh, right here in McLeod. Two yep. receptions, 35 yards, nothing uh, special. And then running back, the most forgotten bill, Devontae Freeman for the New Orleans Saints. He had seven carries for 18 yards and two receptions for 14 yards. Go, Devontae. There you go. So I'll stick with the Saints. Chris Hogan, one of my favorite players. Uh, he actually caught an 80-yard touchdown from Jameis last night, which – Jameis Winston looked pretty damn good last night. So good see. He can see. He can see now. (laughs) Crazy what happens when you can see. So Chris Hogan's on the Saints. Uh, He's back from playing lacrosse. Um, The Bears have Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver. Rams, of course, still have Robert Woods. He's been there for a while. Uh, Sammy Watkins, his newest team is the Ravens this year. And the Texans have Andre Roberts, another one of those guys that, right, we thought he would be a star here a few seasons ago, and now he's traveling around the league. And then we'll finish off the list. The Raiders have Zay Jones still, and their newest addition, our latest drop, uh, John Brown. 
is a part of the Raiders. So. And uh, funny enough, Nathan Peterman led the Raiders in rushing in preseason week two. Yeah. What a team the Raiders are, right? They're, they're staring down an IRS investigation. Um, they're controversy around the stadium and not being ready to host fans. Their team's a disaster. Nathan Peterman's your leading rusher. Like, sheesh. I keep forgetting okay. they have Marcus Mariota too, but he's hurt. Right. I kind of forgot he's even around the league still. There you go. Where's your look around the league if one of those? Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope everyone enjoyed. We had a lot that we broke down, good and the bad. Hopefully we'll have a lot more good coming up. Uh, Andrew will be at the Packers game, so we'll get kind of a live perspective. I know you're also going to the home opener, and Mm -hmm. I will be going to week two in Miami, so we're going to have a lot of live action thoughts, so that's good. Uh, So we've got the next four games covered, because I'll be at this Saturday's game. I'll be at the home opener. You'll be at the Dolphins game, and then I'll also be at the football team game that following week. It's on my birthday, actually, so I'm going up for that. So, All right, well, that is good. Hopefully next week we'll actually have some Sabres content to talk about as well. They're kind of just dead in the water. They haven't done anything. <laughs> Jack Eichel is still a Sabre. He sent out like three tweets on his Twitter account, including like an eye roll emoji, which obviously just means he's not happy to be here. Yada, yada, yep. yada. Maybe next week we can even dive into who maybe the next captain of the Sabres would be <laughs> if he is to finally get traded, which would be a very interesting list of what we could talk about. Um, maybe Sabretooth but- can play center. Apparently yeah, really. he's the second most liked mascot in the league. I saw that today on Twitter. Well, that's good at least. <laughs> but um, that's going to do it pretty much for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, me and Zach will be back later this week. We kind of had some scheduling issues for this past Saturday, but we'll get one out later in the week. And then myself and Andrew will be back next week, probably Monday or Tuesday once again. Um, to give you some more Bills, Packers, and everything else hopefully going on, maybe some more COVID-solved issues and hopefully better injury news updates. We'll see if Josh and any of the starters actually play. But Diggs is back and dancing at practice, so um, I guess that's a good thing. But appreciate everyone for tuning in. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Allen and Diggs, no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.